You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. The world is full of lust, more than ever before, I believe. And those who love Jesus, and that would be you, that would be me, should hate all of the things that displeases our Lord. And so Peter, recalling all the fruitlessness of his own life in the flesh, just prior to his coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he's now humble. Sin and sexual sin especially seem to have drastically increased in our society. Behaviors that were once considered extremely shameful have become normalized and even accepted. As Pastor Mike will warn in today's message, we need to be very careful not to allow ourselves to be desensitized by our culture. We need to have compassion and grace towards people, but we also need to be faithful to God's Word. This message does contain some content that isn't suitable for younger audiences. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 as he begins his message, Living Before the Word. I remember what you said, you return that I might live in my Father's house. Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles. This is a part of our Living Hope series, studies in the book of First Peter. And we're studying this book of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We'll just pick up this evening where we left off. So we're in First Peter chapter 2. The text that we're going to be treating is found in verses 11 and 12. And this message, the title is, Living Before the World. And it has everything to do with our testimony for Christ. Well, listen, let's go ahead and read those two verses of Scripture, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. So First Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, notice the way that Peter addresses his listeners. And in this, this is uh, he's suggesting that this is the way that we are to relate to the world. Remember, this present world in which we live is not our, our home. Our home and our citizenship is in heaven, as is suggested uh, there in the, the Bible. Well, anyway, he goes on and he exhorts them, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct or your testimony honorable among the Gentiles or the unbelievers, that when they speak against you as evildoers, and they will, they'll criticize you, they'll mock you for your commitment to uh, Christ, you can be sure of that, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So let's go ahead and begin in that word of prayer. Father, we pray now that you bless our time together. 
as we treat this text, God open it up to us. Use it to further and perfect your work in the lives of your people. Uh, transform us into the image of your Son. Help us to be the kinds of people that you want us to become. Strengthen us, God, in our, our testimonies, in our walk with uh, you. God, we thank you. And now, Father, we'd ask that my words would be your words as always. For we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to begin by sharing an observation with you. And that and it has to do with the power that God has made available to those of us who are in Jesus Christ. Uh, available to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. That power that enables us, that changes us, uh, is truly magnificent. And as we go through this epistle of Peter's, we sense something of this transformation power working in and through his life. That transforming our power, that work of God's Holy Spirit, helping us to become what God wants us to become. I mean, think about it. When first we were introduced to Peter in the Gospels, he is impetuous. He is self-willed. And he's certainly unpredictable. But now, what a contrast. And think about this. Here's this burly fisherman, and notice the way that he addresses his listeners as dearly beloved. He goes on, I beseech you, or I beg of you. So Peter now is broken. He's matured in the love of Christ. The once braggart is now humble, and thus he becomes a usable instrument in the hands of his master. He's mellowed out. He's compassionate. God's love is pouring forth from him. He is truly someone who is possessed by the Spirit of God. Now, Peter wants all believers, you and I as well, to go through the same experience that he did. And so in verse 11, notice, let's go back to our text, he pleads with all of God's people as, first of all, strangers and pilgrims, and again, this is the way that we are to relate to the world in which we live, to abstain from fleshly lusts. You know, when I was writing this message, I couldn't help but think as a cross-reference, when Paul said it, it's recorded for us in the book of Romans in chapter 12 and verse 2. He exhorts us not to be conformed to this present world. And you know, throughout the Bible, we are also exhorted that we are in the world, but not of the world. You know, let me ask you something. And, and you know, this has always been a confusing issue uh, for me. You know, some people have put Christians in certain a certain category, and they refer to that uh, Christian as a carnal Christian. Is there such a thing as a carnal Christian or a worldly-minded Christian? I mean, if you think about it, how can that be? I mean, it's just as bizarre as suggesting that there's a heavenly-minded devil, right? And so I've always been confused about that, I, and I truly don't believe that there is such a thing as a Christian who is a carnal Christian or worldly-minded. You know, in 1 John, as a cross-reference, if you would uh, just go, if you would, uh, ahead, uh, two books of the Bible, 1 Peter, uh, 2 Peter, and then there in uh, 1 John in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John exhorts us, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides for 
ever. Gang, listen, the world is full of lust, more than ever before, I believe. And those who love Jesus, and that would be you, that would be me, should hate all of the things that displeases our Lord. And so Peter, recalling all the fruitlessness of his own life in the flesh, just prior to his coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, he's now humble. He's now humbly hearted, and he pleads with every believer to be careful not to succumb to lust. Now, let's talk about uh, lust. And let me give you a brief working definition of what I'm referring to. And I think at this point, uh, you ought to put the kids to bed because we're going to be talking about lust and what that looks like and what's involved, particularly in different categories in just a moment. But here's a basic working definition of what I'm referring to when I use that word lust. Any inordinate desire. I mean, it can be a hunger for too much of that which is good or any of that which is bad. And notice here, though, Peter mentions fleshly lusts. And those fleshly lusts that he's referring to here in our text are those that seek gratification through unrestraint of the physical nature. And listen, all of us have these natural appetites which we may either be controlled or allowed to become unbridled. And you know, in the Bible there are these comprehensive lists of those lusts that I think Peter is referring to here. For example, let's go back to the book of Galatians, if you would, for a moment, in chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, in verses uh, 19 through uh, 21, and let's break this down uh, for you. Uh, He says there, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, and then he begins to name them, uh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness, and all of those Uh, sins that are referred to here are sensual sins that relate to sex. But then notice he goes on in verse 20. And then he says, adding to the list, idolatry and sorcery. Now these two sins would fall into the category of religious sins of worship. I'm going to break all of this down for you in just a moment. But then the latter part of verse 20, the remainder of verse 20 and 21, he then goes on, And these would be the kinds of sins that we commit against other people. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things, and take special note of this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you can be sure of that. Okay, so let's break down this list of sins, this list of lusts uh, for you. So we're very clear about what Peter is exhorting us to do back in our uh, text. First of all, notice he mentions adultery. Okay, what is he referring to? Well, adultery is the violation of the marriage commitment that you made to your spouse through sexual immorality. So that's what he's referring to. But then notice he goes on and mentions the sin of fornication. Okay, what does fornication include? Well, that speaks of sexual immorality in a broader sense, and it includes a wide variety of sexual sin. Illicit connections, 
between single or unmarried persons, yet often signifying adultery as well. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines fornication in this way, as a voluntary sexual intercourse between two unmarried persons or two persons that are not married to each other. Okay, so let's continue on in this list. So that uh, is what uh, the word fornication is referring to. But then notice also, uncleanness is a part of this list. Now, what does that uh, suggest to us? Well, this refers to sexual impropriety in general. And that would be the opposite of purity. And it also covers many sexual sins that are not actual intercourse or even interaction with another person. Uh, for example, this, uh, that this type of sin would include, like, for example, pornography. Uh, uncleanness also covers impure speech or suggestive speaking with double uh, meanings. And then notice also a part of this list, Paul mentions lewdness. And that speaks of someone who is ready to sin at any time, who is anxious to sin, someone who flaunts their immorality, uh, having no shame or embarrassment. Okay, so that is uh, the category of sensual uh, sins, verses, uh, verse uh, 9. But then notice, he goes on here, and he goes into another category, which would fall into the category of religious sins of worship. And notice, he mentions idolatry. Okay, so what would that include? Well, idolatry is the worship of any God, except the Lord God, who is revealed to us in the Bible and in the person of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, notice he also mentions sorcery. And the word sorcery, like for example in the NIV, which is a revised version of our King James Version of the Bible, uh, the word sorcery is translated uh, witchcraft uh, in the NIV, and that involves the service and worship of the occult and spiritual powers apart from the true and the living God. You know, this word sorcery in the original Greek language can, uh, is also translated from the Greek word pharmakia, uh, where we get our word uh, pharmacy from, which suggests the use of drugs. So this also prohibits the use of any kind of drugs, potions, or uh, spells. But then notice also he goes on in the next category here in this list of sin or lust, verses 20 and 21. And this would fall into the category of sins that primarily express themselves uh, in the way that we treat others. And notice the list, drunkenness, uh, revelries. These would uh, be social sins that are committed in the company of other uh, people. You see, we're not to be impaired by these things in any way. We're not to be involved in any unrestrained partying uh, because of the fact that it lowers a man's self and is also a nuisance to uh, others. And so all of those things that are recorded for us uh, here uh, in these uh, verses of Scripture that are recorded for us in Galatians chapter 5, these are the things that we are to avoid. Uh, and these are the things that Peter is exhorting us uh, to be careful about in our own Christian uh, experience, in the way that we walk with the Lord. And so Peter pleads 
with us, abstain from fleshly lusts. All of what is recorded for us in that list. Because why? Well, notice there in verse 11, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 2. Because they war against our souls. They're like an army that's trained, that's equipped, that's set in full array, ready at any time to launch their attack. And so listen, our sinful flesh is more than able to break down even the mightiest fortress of best intentions on our part to follow Jesus. And listen, how few of us are able to be victorious over these fleshly lusts. You know, here's how it goes. We sin, uh, we become extremely discouraged, disappointed about our actions. In fact, we'll even go as far as cursing ourselves. And then we repent, and we do okay for a while. And then what happens? We find ourselves doing the same sins, succumbing to the same lusts over and over again. We're defeated. And consequently, we continue to remain miserable. So here's the question. Does God want us as his children to live that way? I don't think so. And so thank God he has provided a better way for us, a tried and true way, which cannot fail us. And what would that way be? Well, we are exhorted and told exactly uh, the way uh, to respond to those emotions and feelings and lusts of ours in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. We are exhorted there to walk in the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And so to walk in the Spirit, what does that involve? Well, the first thing we need to realize is that we are not our own, that we've been bought with a price, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is indicated by uh, Paul when he wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And therefore, we should constantly give allegiance to the operation of the Spirit in our lives. We need to relinquish our lives. We need to surrender our lives. We need to die to self. Gang, there's no other way. Now, someone may be thinking at this point, wait a minute, Pastor Mike, I have surrendered my life uh, as a part of my conversion experience, inviting Christ to come. I surrendered my life. But let me ask you this question. Yes, you may have upon your conversion experience, but presently, are you vacillating? Maybe you surrendered with your head, but even more importantly, let me ask you this question. Have you surrendered with your heart? You see, God through the Holy Spirit promised to keep us in the hour of temptation. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse uh, 18. We are told there that we would be strengthened with might by the Spirit of God in the inner man or the inner woman. You know, there's this story about this fellow who many refer to as the Dove Man. In the deserts of Arabia, there is this guy who carries with him a homing pigeon with a very fine cord attached to one of its legs. And when in doubt as to which path to take, the guide throws the bird into the air and the bird instantly strains at the cord in an effort to fly in the homeward direction, thus leading without error. Listen, gang, you may be sure the Holy Spirit, and if I can use this analogy, the heavenly dove, and many times that's the way he's depicted as the 
as the dove, the Holy Spirit, will always direct you in the right steps. That is, if you rely upon his leadership. Listen, gang, we need to pray. We need to confess our utter helplessness to God and lay hold of his mighty and miraculous strength. How? Through the Spirit of God. And if we do, he'll meet you in a new way, which will result in joy and peace, such as you have never known or ever experienced before. Now, let's go back to our text. In verse 12, notice, Peter gives us the reason why Christians should abstain from fleshly uh, lusts. So just more than the result and the damage that it wreaks upon uh, those who practice sin and give themselves over to lust. But notice here the exhortation. He goes on to declare, having your conversation or your testimony honest among the Gentiles or unbelievers. That is so that we might bear before the unsaved, convincing, unwavering testimony that Jesus does give new life. And, you know, ultimately, God wants to work in us so that he can work through us. But you know what? Detrimental to the cause of Christ are inconsistent Christians who continue to walk as children of darkness. But I thank God there's always a remnant for all those who do endeavor by God's grace to be a real testimony for Jesus Christ. And yes, all you may get for this is ridicule, which is indicated there in verse 12 of our text, whereas they speak against you as evil doers. But listen, that shouldn't sway you. That shouldn't move you. Remember what uh, Jesus told us in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 5, in his Sermon on the Mount, in verses 11 and 12. He said, Blessed, or oh how happy, are you when they revile and persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that places you in pretty good uh, company. So don't let the scorn of others deter you from a life of utter abandonment to God. Now on the other hand, notice there, uh, another incentive uh, that you can be sure of, that you can count on, that you can stand upon. Notice there in verse uh, 12, he refers to our testimony and the way that it affects others in the day of their visitations. What does he mean? In their life's experience, trouble, disaster, sickness, broken hearts, shattered lives. And in those times, if your testimony has been strong, guess whom they're going to turn to? And that provides an opportunity for us to share Jesus Christ with them. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Peter. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can also listen online by going to the Resources tab. Otherwise, you can find them on one place and search for Harvest Christian Fellowship or Pastor Mike Venizio. 
You can also watch our fully recorded services on Vimeo. Just follow the link at our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We also invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite platform for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're ever in or near the Midtown Manhattan area and are looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here, and you can reserve your seat at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. You are welcome to join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. If you happen to have any questions for us, please don't hesitate to give us a call at 212-247-1877. That number again is 212-247-1877. Or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram by following the links on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. We're so glad you took the time to listen in today, and we hope you'll join us again next time on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.